0: Caution the contents of this podcast may be historical but they're still served piping hot. We're brewing up the classics here on The Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to The Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. My name is Asa
1: and I'm Allison
0: and in today's episode, we continue our journey of famous instrument makers. This time, we'll be learning about Bartolomeo Cristofori and his famous invention, the piano. You might have heard of it, it's kind of popular. I might have <laughs> seen it once or twice.
1: Bartolomeo Cristofori was born in 1655 in Padua, Italy. Little is known about his life as a whole, as very few records actually exist that describe anything other than the work that he did later in life. We do know that in 1688, he moved to Florence at the request of the Grand Prince of Tuscany, Ferdinando de Medici himself, which implies that by the age of 33, Cristofori had become well known as an instrument builder. His skill at constructing keyboard instruments in particular raised the eyebrows of the prince, who was an accomplished harpsichordist himself.
0: Ferdinando de' Medici continued his family's legacy of patronage of the arts by bestowing confidence, and cash, to the accomplished Cristofori, ultimately making it possible for him to invent the instrument now recognized as the first piano. So some of the only records of Cristofori's life include invoices for his instruments submitted to employers. Curiously, there is not one surviving bill to Ferdinando de' Medici for an instrument resembling a piano. This suggests that perhaps Cristofori's labors were instead gifted to the prince. Ferdinando was an avid lover of mechanical things, owning dozens of clocks. It is suggested that perhaps Ferdinando hired Cristofori not only to maintain his vast collection of harpsichords and other instruments, but also because he was infatuated with the intricate mechanical designs Christofori produced.
1: While well employed by Ferdinando, Christofori is known to have invented at least two other keyboard instruments for the prince's collection, both variations on the spinet, a harpsichord with slanted strings to better fit in enclosed spaces. After his patron, Ferdinando de' Medici died in 1713, the prosperity of the Medicis declined and Cristofori took to selling his work to other buyers, with the Prince of Portugal purchasing at least one of his creations.
0: Cristofori died in 1731, and in his final will, he left almost all of his possessions to his caretakers. Bartolomeo Cristofori is now known for inventing the keyed instrument we all know and love, the piano. Like all great inventions, though, the piano was conceived to solve problems and address shortcomings. In this case, the problem to be solved came in the form of the predominant keyboard instrument of the time, the harpsichord. So what made the harpsichord ripe for reinventing?
1: The mechanism of the harpsichord is ultimately quite simple, with a single key lever raising a quill which plucks the intended string. This produces very crisp tones on an instrument that afforded the performer an exceptional amount of flexibility for the time, with many available octaves and the ability to link multiple levels, or choirs, of strings together to create chords and complex harmonies.
0: The mechanism of the harpsichord, however, does not afford the performer much dynamic range, if any at all. Think about the act of opening a gate at the top of a hill, to allow a ball to roll down. Whether you gently open the gate or smash the gate open with great force, the ball rolls out at the same speed. The mechanism of the harpsichord always applied the same plucking action to the strings within regardless of the force applied. Thus, harpsichordists did not have the same agency of expression as what is afforded to other instruments of the time, such as violins or flutes to name a few
1: clavichord, another baroque keyboard instrument that was first seen in medieval times, did offer a mechanism that afforded the performer dynamic range, but with notable drawbacks. Its own hammer mechanism dampened the strings. And while it was possible to vary the force of the strike, often this also resulted in a variation in pitch as well. As an instrument too quiet and unreliable for the concert hall, the clavichord was relegated to the practice rooms.
0: It was the key mechanism, pioneered by Cristofori that gave his new instrument an advantage of the keyed instruments over the past. However, his piano mechanism was more complex and difficult to assemble and thus expensive, which might be why it took a wealthy patron for even such a brilliant mechanist to come to this final product.
1: The concept of the design is relatively simple in itself, a lever that transfers varying force to hammers and strings as the clavichord does. Cristofori's centerpiece of the mechanism is the escapement that allows the hammer to immediately bounce off the string after striking it, allowing the string to vibrate freely while not affecting the pitch in any way. His multilever action also greatly amplifies the player's finger movement, providing the needed leverage for this complex design in a very compact space. This has the added benefit of allowing the string to be struck much harder than on the clavichord, resulting in a sound that remains present in a concert hall.
0: Christofori also added other mechanisms, including a check that prevented the hammer from unintentionally striking the string when it rebounds, and a dampening mechanism that could be freed from the action of the key itself, an early version of the pedals on modern pianos. And so, with all these worthwhile improvements, Christofori, in one stroke, rendered the harpsichord wholly obsolete.
1: Actually, it wasn't quite so simple. Early reactions to the arrival of the piano were lukewarm at best. In a world where the harpsichord was king, the relatively soft and delicate sound of early pianos did not cut through a hall, or indeed an orchestra, with the same brilliance of a harpsichord. This was in part due to the materials Cristofori used in his construction of the original pianos.
0: His case design was very similar to that of a harpsichord, as were the strings, Considering this, and the fact that the strings were now struck with a softer hammer instead of sharply plucked, it is no wonder that the early pianos were a muted instrument compared to their predecessors. Because of the hammer mechanism, the onset of the notes, too, are far less defined than the harpsichord. While the softer wood used in construction was suitable for the harpsichord, later design iterations showed that the piano would benefit greatly from a more robust material.
1: It's no wonder, then, that early music critics described the sound as, quote, soft and dull, and Cristofori's invention was, for a time, merely the instrument of choice for solo performances where such drawbacks were not as apparent.
0: Cristofori's marvelous invention can be pinpointed to the year 1700. There are Medici records of a harpsichord that can play loud and soft, or piano and forte, we'll come back to that, in the great (laughs) instrument collection. From that point, the invention was mimicked, often unsuccessfully, modulated, and eventually modernized.
1: As the instrument spread across Europe, many people became quite excited about it, with music critics and journalists praising it for its ability to play both piano and forte, which is, of course, where we get the piano's full name, the Forte Piano. While it did take a while for this new instrument to catch on with the world beyond the Medicis and Italy, eventually five instruments were bought by Queen Maria of Spain.
0: Now, Queen Maria was a patron of Domenico Scarlatti, an already famous keyboard instrumentalist and composer. With the introduction of this new instrument to his repertoire, many of his sonatas were likely written for this new toy rather than the traditional harpsichord. And so, with the backing of real composers writing for the instrument, like an epidemic, the piano spread far beyond its humble beginnings.
1: Soon, this key mechanism for the piano was taken to Germany as well. There, an organ maker by the name of Silbermann began making similar instruments to Cristofori. And this then attracted the attention of the elderly J.S. Bach, who near the end of his life praised the Silberman piano and actually helped in selling many of those early Silberman instruments.
0: Almost as if he were hastening in the classical era where the piano was king.
1: Like any new invention, it took a bit of time for the piano to really catch on, but as we all know, by the classical era basically all keyboard music was being written with the piano in mind rather than the harpsichord.
0: So how do these pianos then compare to our modern versions? They're actually not quite what we've come to expect from a modern piano. Due to the materials used at the time, these pianos did sound a bit more like harpsichords than you might expect.
1: So, as we mentioned, even though the hammers were softer than the plucked strings from the harpsichord, they were still a harder material compared to what is used nowadays. And this is what leads to the more twangy sound that we hear from these pianos, instead of the soft attack that we hear in modern instruments.
0: However, because of the more versatile dynamic range, these new instruments were still sought after. And of course, as the popularity grew, the design was changed and perfected as more and more instrument makers tried their hands at it.
1: Apparently, for some time, there was a great difference between British and German pianos, with the British surprisingly being far more strong and forward sounding, and the Germans actually being a bit more dampened. In society's desire to be ever more extreme, the British system prevailed as the preferred sound, and thus the more modern sound of the piano was defined.
0: Unlike the name Stradivarius in our last episode, though, Cristofori is not really a household name, mostly because he only made a few pianos for mostly private consumption, and it was others who really expanded upon his idea. Nowadays, you'll probably be more familiar with the big piano makers, such as Steinway & Sons or Yamaha. Certain performers, of course, associate themselves with certain brands, and the more prominent the performer, the more clout a brand seems to have.
1: However, even within brands, each piano is different, and within a brand, depending on if the piano is made in the United States or Germany, for example, there can be great differences in sound quality. Some other notable brands that you might have heard of are the Shigeru Kawaii, a Japanese company, Shibel, and Bosendorfer. Like so many other instruments, there is also a brand that aims to deliver an instrument that is not only pleasing to the ears, but also extremely eye-catching. And in the piano world, this niche is filled by a new, as of 1990, company called Stewart & Sons that makes eye-catching pianos out of unique and fine woods. These aren't just your standard dark brown or black pianos.
0: But unless you're a discerning listener who has had years of experience listening to different brands, you'd be hard-pressed to pick out one from another just from a recording. And at the top quality level of each of these brands, even a professional would just be splitting hairs.
1: So from its humble beginnings as a simple experiment or invention, the piano has of course become a giant in the modern classical age. And there's
0: very few families, even today, who don't have a piano in their own living room. I know my parents do.
1: As do mine. Um, and of course, there's also electric keyboards that are increasingly popular, as they are more affordable and portable.
0: The piano has had such an effect on the classical and modern music world, and so it's been really fun to take a look at its humble beginnings with Bartolomeo Cristofori. So thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. If you did enjoy yourselves, please consider sharing us with a friend, maybe a piano-playing friend who might appreciate learning more about their instrument. For the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast, I'm Asa.
1: And I'm Allison. Thank you so much for listening. Scarlatti's keyboard sonatas in E major and D minor were performed by Gianluca Luizzi. Beethoven's Piano Concerto No. 5 was performed by Peter Bradley Fulgoni and the Symphonia of Leeds conducted by David Greed. You can find The Coffeehouse on iTunes or Google Play where you can rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Email us at coffeehouseclassical at gmail.com.